Hello, live streamers. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And now let's get started with Locked On MLB. Locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. You don't believe me? Right there. There's my lower third. For those of you who are just listening to me and someone asked me, what does that mean? Uh, you can call me Sully. If you're watching me on YouTube, when I say here's my lower third, there's a graphic that comes up. And because I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer, I know the terms. This little graphic here that I'm putting my hands around, if you're watching the video, is called my lower third because it's a name, a graphic that appears on the lower third of the screen. So you learn a little something here. Uh, those of you watching the live stream, we are doing this on YouTube. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Or you can follow me. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball Podcast. If you're following me on Instagram, and I'm still on Twitter right now. I'm still at Sully Baseball there. Um, and you can tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown MLB or check out some of the other great shows. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, including Locked On Cubs, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Diamondbacks. The hosts of those shows are going to be appearing on various shows that I'm going to be doing this week. I also have some uh, a three-part uh, interview I did with Dan Epstein, who is the great writer of the book, Big Hair and Plastic Grass, and the captain and me. And we did a three-part interview about his new book. Um, that's going to be coming up. I originally was going to have it going up today. I just have time to edit it yet. We did it on Zoom because the program I use, what you're watching me now, uh, wasn't working for some reason. So we did it via Zoom, and um, you know, just I have to do a little bit of editing. Uh, Frank Cerny is one of my listeners. He's writing in on the chat. He says, I see that lower third right there. And I see you seeing that lower third. Um, he says, hey, Sully. Hey, how you doing? Um, let's just talk a little something. A uh, big piece of news happened. It was either on Friday or Saturday. It happened over the weekend. Uh, Luis Arise and Pablo Lopez were dealt. This is the defending American League batting champion. Now, that title doesn't have the same gravitas that it had at one point because there was a period of time that most of the weight of how good a hitter you were was placed in batting average. And it was that way for generations. So it's hard when there's one way it's been done for generations, it's hard to have people accept there's a different title. Um, When stats were brand new, that was a stat that people cling to. And it's still fun. If you're a 300 hitter, that's still has a sense of, you know, you're, you're getting lots of hits. 
it's just we started to understand there were it was a flawed metric. You know, if you're batting 350, 360, you're clearly doing something well, okay? But when we began to really understand what the on-base percentage meant and how important that was, you know, who had a more productive day? If someone walked three times and the fourth at bat got no, you know, struck out and someone else got one hit and struck out three times. The person at the one hit would go one for four, and the person who walked three times and then struck out would go 0 for one. Their batting average dropped. One would have a 250 average, the other would have a zero batting average. But the one who walked three times had a more productive day. It's taken a while to have people understand this, and you have to remember when stats were created, it was it was basically the people were trying stuff out. They're spitballing. What if we try this? What if we try that? You know, the win stat is extraordinarily flawed to the point where I don't even think it has much value. But when the people are starting to figure out how can we tell if uh, someone's a good pitcher, I don't know how many games they won, and. You know, that, that thus the win stat was born. You know, the save stat, which is extraordinarily flawed, but it's a relatively new stat. It was officially created. You know, it was, it, was, uh, it, it had existed before, but it, was, it became an official stat in the 60s or 70s. And they were trying to figure out how do we quantify how a reliever is. A, saves, uh, a save tells us almost nothing about the quality of a reliever. But, you know, it takes us a while to get to know these things. That's my way of saying, yeah, we know that the batting champ doesn't mean the same thing it used to, but we're getting used to it. We're, we're starting to understand it. And having the highest batting average in the American League should count for something. And Luis Arise played for Minnesota. Pablo Lopez was a solid pitcher for the Miami Marlins. Now, I had Peter, the host of Lockdown Marlins here, earlier this offseason, and I was saying to them, they have a solid pitching staff. They need to start throwing decent hitters into this team. And I didn't want them to touch that starting rotation. But alas, they did. And they traded away Pablo Lopez and two prospects for Luis Arise. Okay. I, I can't claim to be a Marlins expert nor a Twins expert. So I'm looking at this from taking a step back. The Marlins are going into this trade with the fact that they have, you know, Sandy Alcantara. They have some other very good pitchers, young pitchers on their starting staff. And they can, they can take a look and say, all right, can we afford to trade from a strength? Can we afford to trade away a starting pitcher? Now, they're obviously not going to trade Alcantara, and they wound up also signing Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto, who had a decent basic half season with Chicago White Sox, and they're hoping that you know he pitches well with the Marlins. So they're hoping also that Cueto, they're not expecting to be a long-term situation, but maybe as a stopgap to take Lopez's spot in the rotation. And to have Luis Arise 
be someone to maybe spark the offense. You know, I, I, I had urged to have the Marlins go around in the offseason and just pick up as many spare parts and, and players who had been um, designated for assignment or non-tendered and just give everyone a shot as much as they could. But now they added someone who's a legit all-star player. Now, Luis Arise doesn't have a lot of power. You know, he doesn't have the big OPS that you would expect from a first baseman. But he does get a lot of hits. And if you have someone in that lineup getting some hits, maybe, just maybe, there'll be a ripple effect. Maybe, just maybe, having a solid hitter in that lineup could be exactly what the starting pitcher needs. Sandy Alcantara won the Cy Young Award pitching for the Marlins, and deservedly so. He had an outstanding year. But there was a lot of times he lost you know, low-scoring games. He's had some complete game losses along the way. Sometimes he should have won, but it was super close at the end or went to extra innings or whatever. Anything to give that offense a little bit of a jump start is a positive thing. Meanwhile, you take a look at how Lopez is going to come in to the um, twin situation. Twins have Sonny Gray. Twins have Tyler Molly. Uh, it's Tyler Molly. You know, it's one of those names that you see typed in. You don't say it that often. Now they have Pablo Lopez, and they brought back Carlos Correa. The Twins are not playing in a super strong division. And remember, this was a team that was in first place for most of the year and tied for first place at one point in September. They were three weeks away from winning the division, three good weeks. Now, Cleveland remains probably the best team in the division. But remember, that super young team that won 90-some-odd games, they could regress. Anytime you have a super young team that, that hasn't seemed to make that big change, that big move, which they need to do is stick another big hitter into that lineup. It's, they're not guaranteed a division title. If you don't believe me, everybody, including you, picked the White Sox last year who went into last year looking like they were a surefire bet. And I'm not going to do that ad read right now. But it absolutely looked like a, the, the biggest bet that they were going to win the division. Now, the Royals, they're a mess. The Tigers, they're rebuilding. So you have three teams that will probably be anywhere between 84 and 90 wins, where a win here or a win there might be, you know, uh, an extra win a month. April, May, June, July, August, September. An extra win would be a six-game swing, which might be enough to win the division. And sticking another decent starting pitcher in there can go a long way. And here's why I think this is a better trade for Minnesota than for Miami. Miami did get a good hitter. And who knows what the ripple effect that will be. But they traded away a good pitcher, and good pitchers are harder to get. Now, the Twins suddenly went from having one of the best first baseman situations in the American League to now having a, your guess is as good as mine. I would like to see them do like, sign, like look who's still available. Someone like Luke Voigt, 
is still available. Is he a great player? No. Is he adequate? Sure. And what if you platoon him? What if you find, I mean, look, at is Mike Moustakas done? Yeah, he's probably done. But what if you say, hey, Mike, you are our platoon. You have Luke Voigt and, and Mike Moustakas as a platoon. It, does that strike fear in the hearts of men? No. No, it doesn't. But would it be adequate? Would it be two major leaguers? Have I been frozen? I don't know. If, if I'm frozen, because my picture is, is, is stuck solid here, uh, let me know in the chat if I've frozen. If I've frozen, then uh, I may have to end this live stream. But uh, I hope that I'm not. I have no evidence to see if this is still recording or not. Uh, but we'll check to see. But um, I can't even I can't even click over. But I guess what I'm saying is, in the outside chance that I'm still being that this is still recording, um. I think this this helps the Minnesota Twins a tiny bit more than it helps the Miami Marlins because the Twins took another step forward in terms of the and in terms of making the team work as a potential pennant contender. And I'm just going to keep soldiering on through. According to Frank Cerny, I'm not frozen, so uh, I'll, I'll take your word for I'll take your word for it. But um, it's uh, uh, basically, I'm sorry for that little bit of confusion. There's a little bit of computer issue. We're doing a live stream. These sort of things happen. But we're going to keep on moving and letting you know. I'm trying to click over here, folks. Uh, I have a little bit of technical issues here. But we may really take a look to see if the Twins are the elite team in American League Central, and whether or not this is going to work out. I'm really trying to click on a button here to open up what I'm supposed to be reading. And uh, you know what? It's not going to work, so I'm going to have to go to my phone. So you have to forgive me. Uh, for, you know, forgive me for the technical issues here. And I'm going to just tell you that we have a brand new sponsor. And one that I have to use to open up on my phone in order to get. So please forgive me here. Our brand new sponsor is FanDuel. That's right. We're going to go to FanDuel. Um, I, I can't open anything. And unfortunately, it's not the uh, original uh, 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 copy that I know so darn well and you know so darn well. So give me one moment, folks. Everything's frozen on my computer. And so I'm going to take everyone's word for it that mine is not frozen and let you know as I open up on my phone that, drumroll please, FanDuel, the National Football League playoffs are here. And we're excited about our new sports betting partner, for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. 
New customers join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. And there's going to be some great games going on. We're going to have the 49ers. They're going to be playing the Eagles. We're going to be having the Bengals and the Chiefs. So some of the same old faces are going to be showing up. I feel pretty badly for the good folks of Buffalo. Uh, FanDuel has your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout for same game parlay. All it's on an app that's safe and secure and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Okay, um, I have uh, no clue if anything is still being recorded right now. So I'm just going to keep on moving as if it is. Uh, this is uh, this is really interesting. I'm sorry people who are listening to me today kind of fumble and stumble this, but I can't tell if my computer's crashing, and I can't tell if I can continue going here. But I'm going to keep going. Um, I want to just point out a couple of uh, uh, nice video comments that I've gotten. Um, the video bell wrote to me on YouTube. I got to just use my phone now because my computer is acting crazy. Uh, Sully, this is regarding, I did the uh, White Sox Stadium Odyssey, which was the podcast that I dropped on uh, Friday. Um, It said, Sully, I'm so glad you, if you didn't hear the show, it was the one where I was walking around uh, Guaranteed Rate Field and uh, was basically recounting the history of the White Sox and then playing guaranteed rate field. Uh, says, uh, Sully, I'm so glad you had a flight on the way to Philadelphia because that was awesome. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I, I listen to Locked On MLB all the time on Spotify. And uh, I listened to this episode on there, but I thought I should switch to YouTube to see what you were do- doing. And it would really enchant, really... Enhance the storytelling. Thank you, by the way. I'm a Phillies fan in Scotland. We have Phillies fans in Scotland, folks. Um, okay, let's just see what else we have here. Okay, thanks, Frank, for letting me know. I'm sorry for uh, the, the technical difficulties we had here. Uh, Dan Thompson wrote to me about uh, Carlos Correa's ankle. Correa's ankle was a concern with the physical, not his knee, which I find interesting because he's never missed a game in the majors due to his ankle. We'll see where that leads them. Um, this this one I thought was uh, interesting. This is from uh, D Moore four five four. Back on uh, January first, I did the Suffering Index podcast, where I talked about I, I quantified teams that are suffering and fan bases that are suffering. You know, kind of like how Buffalo is suffering right now, and I had all all sorts of equations uh based upon years waiting for a chance of years since the last thousand years since the last appearance in the playoffs number 100 lost seasons uh do or die games lost and i keep trying to add stuff to the equation to sort of uh for the lack of a better word 
come up with a more reliable metric for suffering. Um, D. Moore uh, four five four had a couple of suggestions. Um, he said uh, I, the fans having legitimate reason to get their hopes up, only to have their dreams crushed. Fans continues being. Uh, um, he used a uh, a dirty line. Let's just say uh, having to having their expectations pulled out from under them uh, by stack roster factors. This will be things like hundred plus win seasons that didn't lead to a championship since your last championship with increasing multipliers for earlier exits in the playoffs, a uh, set number of bonus points for each season that qualifies a stack that didn't win a championship. Uh, next uh, X, the players, uh, you know, adding the players who are on a team, uh, all-star players on the team where you have absolutely stacked wrestlers with, with all-stars uh, numbers, continuous seasons in a row. The team had the stack roster, uh, prior to them winning a World Series. Uh, number of World Series appearance by the players on the roster since that season left the team with championships since leaving the team counting double. In other words, taking into account when you have teams where you just completely filled the squad up with all-stars. I'm looking at you when the Phillies had Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay, uh, Roy Oswalt, and Cole Hamels. They never won a World Series title with that squad. They did with Cole Hamels, but when they started adding in all the other aces, they couldn't win. Roy Halladay never got to the World Series, despite playing on some of the most stacked teams of all time. There, there's something to be said about that. When you have a team where you have super high expectations, maybe even a super team quality to them, only to get punched in the face. Um, yeah, that's interesting. It's making my job more complicated. It was already pretty complicated. Um, there's another factor, though, that that comment made me think of another potential factor to include that adds to the suffering is I kept in I, I kept in the uh, equation the number of times that a team played in a do or die game. A game seven of the World Series of LCS, a game five of the division series, a one game playoff, a wild card game, uh, a wild card series, game three, all those different things that add to it. Like when you lose one of those games, you think we could have won. We could have advanced. We could have won. And then I realized there has to be another factor. And this really is the, you know, punch to the face of a suffering fan base, which is the number of times your team was either three outs away from clinching and advancing or winning or one swing away. And I'll explain to you the difference. If you went into an inning, like I'm just going to take a team, Cleveland in 1997, were three outs away from winning the World Series against the Marlins. And the Marlins rallied and ultimately won the extra innings. The Red Sox famously were three outs away from winning the World Series in 1986. The Texas Rangers were three outs away twice in the same game for winning the uh, 2011 World Series. Um, there have been other instances, the Yankees in 2001, and there have been instances where a team is three outs away 
from winning the pennants, from winning the wildcard series and everything, and there's a rally. When you have a game like that, that has to be included. Now, the difference between three outs away and one swing away, there have been instances where a team with one swing could have clinched. An example would be Cleveland again. Cleveland's always showing up in these. Cleveland again in uh, the 2016 World Series against the Cubs. They came to the bat in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, Carlos Santana, uh, Jason Kipnis, and um, Lindor all came up against Roldis Chat. If one of those players hit a home run, Cubs would have won the World Series. The the uh, one or two years before, 2014, when there was a runner on third, the, the Giants were winning by one run, and Salvador Perez was at the plate against Madison Bumgarner, and there was a runner on third. Salvador Perez hit a home run. The Royals would have won the World Series. So that's one being one swing away. There have been other instances that you know the the you know the A's several times were one swing away from winning a series here or there, and that has to be included. That has to be included in the suffering index because if you have a team that has on multiple occasions. Uh, had a chance to advance and don't in the, you know, to not just like a, we, if we win this game, if you get through this inning and if that happens, that has to be the, that has to be added to the whole suffering index that has to be included. So, and, and for some teams that will make their suffering index go through the roof, I just mentioned casually Cleveland a few times. Oakland a few times, Pittsburgh a few times. They were in 1991, if Andy Van Sarki hit a deep fly ball, if it didn't hook foul and clear the wall, the Pirates would have gone to the 1991 World Series. And then they got to one out, actually two strikes away from going to the World Series in 1992. And Francisco Cabrera, of all people, got the pennant winning hit. And there's also a couple other times that they just... God, Pittsburgh, poor Pittsburgh. But there you go. As you see, that has to be added to the equation because that is real suffering, absolute real suffering. Um, I just want to say one last thing here before, again, before I throw my computer into the Pacific Ocean. Um, I want to pay tribute to Sal Bando. And Sal Bando was a player. He just died over the weekend. and these are players that we, that we often celebrate and sometimes uh, you, you celebrate when you witness them and you celebrate when you rooted for a team and maybe history isn't always super kind to them. Sal Bando played for an Oakland Athletics team that won five straight division titles and won the World Series in three consecutive years, 1972, 1973, 1974. Now, those teams had Hall of Famers, Catfish Hunters in the Hall of Fame, uh, Raleigh Fingers in the Hall of Fame, uh, Reggie Jackson's in the Hall of Fame, some all-time great players in there. And they also had uh, an MVP and Cy Young Award winner in Vita Blue. Sal Bando was the captain of the team. 
of that team that I just rattled off, Cy Young Award winners and MVPs and legends and superstars, the leader of that team was Sal Bando. He was one of the the mustachioed A's from that time. But he he played every day. You look at his, his baseball card. Year in and year out, he's playing 162 some, you know, in the 160s of his games every single year. He would hit 20 some odd home runs, sometimes more, in an era that didn't have super high home run totals. Played steady defense, but was the leader of a team that was tumultuous, controversial. They had a fight breakout in the locker room where. One player, Blue Moon Odom, was trying to strangle another player, Vida Blue, during the celebration of winning the 1972 American League Championship. They were celebrating. They won. And they still got into a fight. If anyone says you need to have a close-knit, loving team, In order to win, may I introduce you the Oakland A's of the mid-70s. And yet, they had, when they were on the field, a common goal. That was to win. And Sal Bando was the leader of that team. And when people casually will bring up the team and remember all the great players, if you didn't know the A's, well, you'll just, as I said, rattle off the superstars. And Bando was an all-star. And Bando was a beloved player for people who saw him. But for the people who didn't see them or didn't experience that team and only knows the stars, they may forget the effect that Sal Bando had on the team. And these are sometimes the players that you need to reward and you need to remember. The Roy Whites on the Bronx Zoo teams. You know, the way, you know, the Kevin Millar on the idiots with the Red Sox. Sometimes it's not the big star who's the center of that team. Jason Veritek was the captain of the Red Sox when they had Pedro Martinez and David Ortiz and Johnny Damon and Manny Ramirez and all that. Sometimes it's that type of player who is the anchor of the team. And you know what? It made me think, because I talked about this the other day regarding um, segregation in baseball. I know it seems like a strange leap there, but players were kept out of baseball for the first half of the 20th century, and probably deeper into it than that. And eventually the stars of the Negro Leagues got to become stars in the Major League. But eventually when you start seeing a full integration of the game, it wasn't just the stars who contributed, but it was people who contributed in one way, shape, or another. I just casually mentioned Roy White and his influence with those Yankee teams. He would have been excluded. Someone like a Bill Madlock, who was not a Hall of Famer, but a good solid all-round player, or a Lonnie Smith, or an Al Oliver, players who were anchors on certain teams, not the big superstars, not the Hall of Fame players, but the players that helped keep a team together and contributed and made the players around them better. Which players like that were excluded from baseball? 
who was the equivalent of a Sal Bando, who was not let in. I always love players like Sal Bando, whose contributions to the team went beyond the numbers. And his numbers were fine. And it always makes me think, who were some of the other people like that who we never got to know and we never got to mourn? But I say I salute to you, the captain, Sal Bando. And for everyone else, I'm sorry for this uh, having a, the technical issues that I've had with today's show. Hopefully the sound came out just fine. Um, thanks for those who joined the chat. And thanks for all of us for following Locked On MLB and making it your first listen. Now for your second listen, have that be Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. is going deep on the MLB Stars of Tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Fighting the winds of technical issues and paying tribute to Sal Bando, figure out how else we can suffer and breaking down a trade. This has been Locked On MLB for the 22nd day of January 2023. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.